At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heest, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Thank you all for listening once again. We are back with a game plan episode. It is the 27th of November. We have a guest named Jake Corngable out of Ohio who killed a slammer buck last night. Uh, Their gun season opened yesterday. He's been patterning this buck for a while, and he is on the podcast tonight. We are going to cover the story of the flyer buck, why we think he killed him, what habitat strategies did he use to kill this buck, and how you and I, the listeners, can take this information and put it into our own game plan this coming weekend uh, the last weekend of gun season here, or the last week of gun season here in Michigan, then it goes to muzzle loader. Um, I, I know there's some other gun seasons going on right now as well. So it's that time, guys. Right now, I'd like to thank our sponsors the Packer Max line of Cult of Packers, Lincoln Roan here in Michigan. Great company. Christmas is coming up, and the spring food plot season, more importantly, is coming up. Uh, I cannot recommend enough the importance of a good cultipacker for moisture retention and seed to soil contact, that firmness that those roots need to get going. Uh, I know Lincoln is running the 10% discount for podcast listeners. This gives you a discount on any of the cultipackers. The lowest discount you're going to get is $50 off the standard unit. It goes up from there. So be sure to check him out at packermax.com. Then we have Nick Nation, Nation's Creations with the Habitat Hook. I know a buddy Gabe of mine just ordered a new hook. I know another listener, Kyle, was checking it out. We got a discount for podcast listeners. It's been a long time coming. Nick and I came together, and you can offer a 10% discount from Nick to podcast listeners for a Habitat Hook. You have to call him, text him. Facebook, message him, tell him you listen to the Habitat Podcast, and he will hook you up with 10% off any Habitat hook you want. And guys, they're flying off the racks right now for Christmas as well. Another great gift. reason I suggest that one is because come January 1st, when deer season's done, I'm going to be in the woods, hinge cutting trees. My 
my property is way too open. Uh, I sat out there tonight in 28 degrees. You could see all the way across it. Froze and saw zero deer. So I need cover. I need woody brows. And it's just the hinge cutting and the habitat hook are going to come into full effect about one month from now. Uh, lastly, I want to introduce our newest sponsor, Killer Food Plots. This is a seed and, well, not just seed. They make fertilizer and they also make some scents and attractions. They also offer habitat consulting. But the thing that I've used from them over the past four years is their high-quality seed. And that's the main reason we uh, connected with Nick Percy over there at Killer Food Plots. And Nick's a great guy. I've known him for a while. Um, I've, I've be- he's become a friend of mine. And I've, just, I've planted his seed on this property of mine and two others uh, starting back in 2014. And while I've learned to become a better food plotter, his knowledge and his seed helped me. And the deer is a great germination rate. Their brassicas are, are awesome. Um, I'm, that's what I was hunting over tonight. And the deer are pawing them up, but unfortunately I think they're after dark on my property. Um, killerfoodplots.com, you can find all the products. Nick was also on our podcast as a number three guest. He offered all the soil testing advice. Just listen to that guy. He knows what he's talking about, uh, and I'm happy to call my friend. That is a great company, guys. The new sponsor, KillerFoodPlots.com. Check them out for your spring food plotting needs. And without further ado, let's get into this game plan episode. Jake Corngable out of Ohio. We're going to talk about a giant 150-inch buck with a couple flyers off of G2, why we think he killed that buck, and how us listeners can take that information and hopefully kill a buck of our own this coming weekend. Thank you once again for listening to the Habitat Podcast. Here's Jake. Everybody, welcome back. Another game plan episode. Jake, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How All you right, doing, guys. Jared? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Oh, man, I'm on cloud nine still. <laughs> Only a few hours of sleep and working outside all day. Back to work after a week off, more or less Thanksgiving and deer hunting. And uh, a little tired, but still on cloud nine. Oh, I bet, man. You killed a slammer. Thanks, man. You Thanks. killed I, a slammer. Oh, can't believe it happened. I'm happy it did. It's been a long month. Uh, yeah, no, that's – that. I mean, you it, – it was what? Uh, Monday. Today's Tuesday, so we're getting you right after this, this happened, um, right away for another game plan. Jake, tell us about who you are, where you're from, all that good stuff. All right. Well, I'm from uh, Eastern Ohio, more specifically Guernsey County, Ohio, and I'm uh, 27 years old. I uh, grew up in a hunting family. Uh, I was actually born up in British Columbia. My dad was a guide, and then really? my grandpa, yeah, and then my grandpa, um, he was actually one of the original founders of the Jurassic Classic uh, National Whitetail foundation down in cambridge ohio they have a real large outdoor event every year in august Um, so i grew up um with the hunting tradition instilled in me unfortunately my grandpa passed away when i was 11 years old my mom and dad got divorced and he moved back to minnesota all in the same year and i was only nine ten years old but uh my grandma i mean i just remember Everything being in, you know, so 
everything about being deer. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be the eighth buck I got going on the wall. And here in the last, once I graduated college, I really brought everything I learned through a lot of, a lot of mistakes growing up. Um, and then, you know, a little bit more educational brought it all together and now I think I'm on five five year streak now. Oh, wow. But any but anyhow, um you know that that hunting heritage was just installed in me and my grandma, one one of her uh I remember one of her most proud moments was when I was seventeen I shot this big double drop time deer and I bought my first bow and I was like seventh grade and I was just after it, after it, after it, and the, the, the look on her face when I shot that deer, because it was, you know, a 160-inch deer, the look on her face, I'll just never forget it, and it, it just, it set that fire under me that I've just been chasing ever since, and, uh... Made her proud. Yeah, that's, that, she made her proud, and, um, you know, so with my grandpa and family being so... And enriched in the hunting community you know I've, I've had quite a few mentors uh the late jack milligan was one you know he worked with uh jurassic park there for years when it was getting started and he was really a big mentor he kind of he didn't he didn't hand me things he would give me little bits of information then i would end up having to put it all together and then uh, one of his best friends, Butch Todd, he's he's still alive in in my area. Uh, he actually was a scorer of the Beatty Buck uh, back in the day. He was the official scorer on that deer. But you know, so I've had some old timers that were doing it before everyone else. Um, they've been my mentors, and my best friend Adam Taylor. He's ten years older than me. Um, we do a lot of our hunting together and we walk most of our new properties down together and stuff like that. And, uh, he's really smart. He shot a lot of big gear and he's been probably my closest, most influential mentor just because of things he's been able to teach me being 10 years older than me and having that same drive. But, uh, Very nice. you know, and with that being said, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty patient, hunter uh i really don't like to get aggressive you know i'm just like a lot of people i'm hunting smaller smaller pieces uh you know in some people's eyes they're probably bigger uh you know my home farm is 68 acres another piece i hunt's uh, 106 another piece is 40 then i got a 13 acre piece and i got another 20 acre piece so i'm all over the board on sizes of the properties but I, just being real patient and non-aggressive, you can't screw properties up that small. You just got to make make those properties be the best that they can to their abilities and uh, go from there. And that's, I think, what, what was really led to a lot of my success is just that unfortunate grind, you know, because you got to <laughs> grind. You got to be patient. You got to really grind out your season. Yeah. But it's it's totally worth it because you know I I hate hate to say it but I'm not going after just 120 inch deer 
down down here. Um, even for my age, I just I want one. I mean, really, 140 inches is my minimum goal. Um, depending on the year, uh, 140 inch this year was my primary goal because I'm trying to let a couple other deer survive. Uh, I really really think they're going to be potential booners next year if they make it, and I was trying to really hunt a couple pieces and a couple deer that a couple farms that hunt better than the rut because they don't have your typical food plot scenarios but they're real thick and oh, yeah. got some awesome oh, great bedding i mean growing up i used to only hunt field edges just because i like seeing deer so doggone much oh yeah I but, think we've all uh, been there. but um you know the older i get Man, but if, if I come across getting permission on a piece of property and then the landowner says, "Oh, it's pretty, it's pretty rough, it's thick," but man, that's like, that's I don't know what to even say. That's that's the dinner bells going off. You know, that's I'm I'm running to get permission <laughs> on those. And I'm excited when I hear thick because yeah. thick you usually means there's going to be some big bucks up in there, and I don't know, just. Makes it it definitely makes it tough uh, getting around and scouting things. Uh, with that being said, you know, you got to really do some trail work, uh, whether it's with hinge cutting or just you know using side by sides and chainsaws and actually having good trails for getting good entry and exits. And yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. You you kind of painted a great picture actually on on where you're at. Uh, a little bit about you, all all that good stuff we want to know. Um, now, what's the terrain like? I mean, where you're hunting, and and it sounds like you're doing some habitat work. How long have you been doing habitat work to some of these properties? Um, just give us a little bit more background uh, so you okay. kind of kind of uh, see your woods, kind of you know, kind of imagine right. what your woods looks like. Yeah, so uh, I've been planting food plots. I've been obsessed with them. Since I was 17, now how long have I actually been doing them the right way? Probably last, <laughs> probably last four years. Probably about as long and, as I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, last four years, and then with that, I've uh, I really started to mold into providing the best security cover as well. And with that, you know, my property where I live was personally logged, like, seven years ago now and when my grandma did it I and she was still alive and I about had a heart attack I hated it but that's the best thing that's ever happened to me it's holding more deer now because of it being logged I mean and how, how tall is that underbrush getting now oh it's you know it's seven eight foot awesome I mean thick uh I'm gonna have to go in and do some more trail work I I put in a few trails last year and uh, I gotta go put a few more trails in there this year. Um, but I, I really, you know, I I like it when a piece of property is logged. I mean, it's beneficial to the landowner. And then I don't want all the big treetops to be left behind. But if some of them treetops can be left, you know, that makes them for some great bedding for deer to get up underneath them tops or laid up against them backs then t- treetops and exactly uh and then you know if, if you can catch it now them getting more experienced if you can catch it right when they log it and get your network of trails in there ahead of time instead of waiting you know six seven years and 
really having to do a little bit more labor. Oh, uh, I see what you know, you're I'm, saying. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Skid Steer to do uh, a couple projects this year, but you know, if yeah. you're doing it by if you're doing it by hand, I mean, you're got your work cut out. But, well, there's uh, that there's that forestry mulcher that Randy talked about on the last podcast, and I don't know if yeah, they they got them down by you. I'm sure they're somewhere, but like yeah, I don't that, know. That, that, I think they're kind of pricey too. But man, that thing will just eat it up through all that brush. There's a uh, I was actually planning on, that's what I was planning on using that and the uh, brush hog attachment. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I work for American Electric Power down here, and a couple of my friends uh, are, they're contractors. My w- one friend, I did a food plot for him, and he shot a 190-inch deer, and his boy shot a 138-inch deer, uh, first year on this property putting food plots in. Well, he he's a... Uh, uh, he's tickled. I mean, he's going to put in as much food as he can on this pipeline and where it's already kind of open. But Is that that picture we shared earlier in the season on the Facebook page? Yes. Yeah, yes, okay. that is, that's him. But uh, he's a foreman for one of our contractors, and he's able to get a skid steer. And two years ago, he got one for his property because it's thick and put in real good trail system. And then this year, you know, I end up putting putting in food for him, and he's got a 175-inch typical that showed up after he shot those two bucks. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, so. So that's part of your strategy yeah. down there is getting some food in with the cover. Yeah. In that thick and stuff and uh, making it, it and holding back till the time is right. Or you said being patient at least, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to use that forestry mulcher and skid steer with the uh, brush hog as well on a couple of my projects. Plus, we're going to go do a few things on uh, his projects, you know. He's not going to – he's not going to have a bill for his food plot because, (laughs) you know, he's going to be helping me out on my personal projects. But um, I can't thank him enough. He's he's a great guy. But, uh, yeah, putting food on on it. That property was amazing, but anyhow. Okay, so uh, so let's so let's that, hear about your your buck, Jake. You okay? Well, first of all, while you were busy talking smack on uh, Saturday during the Michigan oh. uh, Ohio State game, well, I, I was talking just as much smack, but I, I have to shut up now. Um, I was gonna say, I, th- I think we put up sixty two points. Right? <laughs> you know, my memory Dude, that was, was bad. Just, with this deer hunt, I can't quite remember, but I'm pretty sure it's 62 points. Uh, you know, and... Sounds like your memory's sure, fine to me. Yeah, uh, you know, I think after that game, I even uh, posted a status that Ohio still has bigger bucks and the better football team. And Oh, man. I think... It's getting rough I, around here. You know, I think uh, Mother Nature's way of getting back at me for that comment was... Saturday night at five o'clock, this flyer buck showed up. <laughs> yeah, and um, I was, I was kicking myself because that's daylight, been, right? That's daylight. Yeah, yeah, it's it's daylight. I mean, sun technically it was setting like five thirteen. You got half an hour after that. Yeah, so you're well um, legal. Yeah, and uh, and you had a cell I, camera, or did you check the camera later? 
No, I, I pretty much – so Ohio is a bait state. And even with the food plots and different things, um, on all all of the farms, you know, I, I put out corn. I'm not going to – not going to deny it. Uh, cherry rush, uh, sometimes a different mixed feed. Okay. But, um, you know, that's kind of like the, that's the, that's the dessert at the, at the buffet. Um, well, and, from what and I've learned, a, it's actually effective down there on, on, uh, mature deer or, or more yeah. effective, uh, than it seems to be up here. I mean, I've tried it in the past too, and I didn't have as much luck, but, you're you're saying that that deer on Friday at uh, Saturday at five o'clock was sending you tra- trail camera pictures from your farm. Yep, and uh, <laughs> so so this farm that I was hunting this particular deer, it's 106 acres, and um, it's actually split by a main main road. Okay. And that side of the road is actually only 25 acres, and this this is why I was kind of preaching about being patient and uh, I know when we first started talking you asked me kind of my style and you know I fumbled on words I, I really never thought about it but I'm patient in my entry and exit if I can't get in now it, it just I'll stop hunting I mean and with that being said this is this side of the property was 25 acres and that whole block of timber is about 75 acres. Now, the far northwest corner of this block, uh, you know, there's a big open field, but then they can cross and go into a couple different fingers to get into some other big woods. But, uh, you know, being patient on this property has been really, really key, being patient and you know, low key with the entry and exit. And um, actually, Wednesday night, I was hunting. And this is a rut farm. I mean, it's thick. It's got great oak ridges. I mean, you'll get more acorns than any other place. And then this uh, this particular one had been logged. And there's a logging road. And this is where I have my cell camera and where I always put out uh, mineral and supplemental feed. and you know, during the rut, I mean, there's a lot of times I get pictures of these bucks just cruising, you know, 25 yards back up in the brush because it's just a natural tra- travel corridor anyways. It's just nice having the bait out to get them to actually stop and get the inventory a little better. But uh, anyhow, they uh, I, I was hunting Wednesday night, and I hunt pretty high, 25 feet usually at least. I... I, like, I don't like to be seen, and, you know, I'm usually in triple trunk trees and stuff like that with a lot of cover. And uh, there's a little spike. Spike came in. He was came in the corn, and he was munching around on acorns and some of the underbrows. And he was all around me, and, and uh, he went and went back up there in the thicket, sat there for about 15 minutes, and I saw a couple more deer coming out, and there's uh, another spike and a fork horn. Then I saw two does, and I saw a big body deer, and it had a decent frame on them, and pushing these does, I just immediately grabbed my bow, and, uh, you know, this deer came right by 30 yards. I could have had a chip shot at him, and it ended up being, you know, two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half-year-old deer, 
110 inches with split G2. I mean, he's got great frame, uh, good sized body on him, but, you know, wasn't the deer I was looking for. And, you know, I was watching all these deer as I was watching him come through and, uh, they got, they were all out on that logging road and they were taking it. There's a nice brown brush field out, uh, be to the southwest where that logging road goes. And I went to hang my bow up and one came up this, there's one draw behind me and normally they come up the draw up to the logging road and then wrap in and they'll be, you know, sent checking the bottom side of the thicket and stuff. Well, one blew, blew out and I, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I, you know, just, that's what happens when you hunt 20 days, you know, 20 days, you know, more or less same, same deer, same area. Um, them does just start getting educated and she oh, picked yeah. me off. She picked me off and, uh, I went in, you know, I asked my girlfriend, I was like, can I, can I go with Adam? We got to get set ground blind. I said, I got to, I got to switch this set. And I went, we brushed in a ground blind on Thanksgiving morning before the game, uh, not before the game, that was Saturday. I don't know what I'm thinking. But before Thanksgiving, we had her family coming over at noon. You know, we left at 10 o'clock. I didn't get back till 1230. I was a little bit in the doghouse, but <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't blame her, but yeah. I can't thank her. I can't thank her enough for, you know, putting up with all this. You know, this is what I love. Oh, but yeah. Went and got this ground blind brushed in and, that night, this flyer buck came came in. I mean, it was seven o'clock, but he came came in, and I was like, "Good, you know, he he's fine with you know everything." Well, you know, you try to be set for as possible, but it's oh, gonna happen. What time did he come in at? About seven o'clock. Okay, night. so it was after dark, and he was just yeah. in the area. Your blind was yeah. already set up. You're like, "All right, he didn't spook. We're good." Yeah, and. um because, I mean, it's, you know, 70-acre block of timber. you got to be quiet. Oh, yeah. So uh, he came in. So I was pretty relieved about that. And then uh, didn't hunt Friday. And then, uh, you know, Saturday, like you said, we, unfortunately, I got pictures of him at 5 o'clock. <laughs> and, uh you know, it is what it is. But, so, fast forward, I went out Sunday night, and I snuck right in back to this blind. I mean, I I walked this big bottom, and then I take this cut, and then I had uh, this real blind was right in this thicket, and I had a trail right into the back of the blind. You know, I was able to sneak in and out of there with deer out there, um, either at the mineral site or out on the uh, logging road out in the acorns, picking around, and they will sneak in now. There, and you know, I sat there till six thirty. It was well, well dark Sunday night, but I didn't want to spook them up because you know Monday was gun season. I figured, okay, well, with pressure around me, I don't like to gun hunt. I'll be honest, you know, normally I don't gun hunt, but when I do, it's it's like a bow hunting mentality. But I figured with the neighboring properties. It might might push push. There's I had two two hitless bucks. This flyer buck and this buck I call the Asian. He doesn't have any brow tines. He's real big frame on him too. And uh, but this fly this flyer buck, 
he showed up November 10th. I actually posted a video of him locked on a doe that day. And I, I was getting real worried that after rut, even though I wasn't sure where he came from, but I I didn't want to miss my opportunity on him. You know, I, I wanted to take a, a November gift this year because next year I'm all in on a deer that hopefully will survive that I can actually put a, put a full habitat plan in effect on. Nice. But, but um, so I was getting real nervous, honestly. I was like, man, hopefully, hopefully this property's thick enough and he's not being pressured and he knows he's got those, he's got cover, he's got food. Hopefully he just ends up staying, but if he doesn't, I've got to get done now. Like, pressure's getting on. You know, this is a rut farm. This is my primary farm that I'm wanting to get it done on this year. And I'm like, oh, boy. And I went in Monday morning. I got in at, like, 4.30 in the morning, sat there, sat there. It was really slow. You know, it was a, it was a rain morning. Does it rain raining morning. by you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was, it was rainy. It was, like, 35 degrees. It's nasty. <laughs> I mean, I only heard a couple shots all morning. And I snuck out of there 10 o'clock. And uh, I really like to, my entry next is I like to make sure all leaves and everything. I mean, I'm always taking my time if I got time in the morning or something where I'm walking out, brushing brushing the leaves off my path. Um, you know, I want to be able to walk in there pretty much blindfolded. And uh, I did that, took my time. And then I got in yesterday afternoon. Um, I took I took a cameraman. And he had he had a license and a tag. Did you really? So I, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I took him, and I brought my Thompson Center, and I more or less had that because had that with him, um, because I had two rut bucks in there. Uh, one I had a giant six point that was had it broke off his whole one side and. I brought brought my bow as well because there's two of us. I could have two weapons, so I had a bow and I had Thompson Center, and uh, got in there two thirty three o'clock, and uh, I'm sitting there and we snuck in, got settled down, and there was a spike in front of the camera the whole time, and we're at this blind. I mean, it was a little bit of a poke up to that log logging road slash bait site is uh 43 yards and uh you know i I shoot long distance a lot for that reason but i i don't prefer to take it that's half the reason i brought the muzzleloader but um you know it's being being a thicker property you just never know what's going to happen so got in there got settled down and he was in there then he he came walked right in front of the blind like 10 yards Went wrapped back around the hillside, went back up in the thicket, and then, then another uh, four corn came out about four twenty-five. Okay. And he was mingling around. An hour before this, dark or so. Yeah. Yeah, and then this doe kept coming in. She kept spooking off. I was like, and we started hearing a little bit, a little bit more gunshots, and I was like, either these deer are on edge because of other hunters, or she's she's still, you know, last night, Sunday night, I had this big deer with his broken off uh, side, you know, 
randomly show up. I bet this doe's hot. And she kept spooking off every time she was around that little one. And uh, I saw this giant, giant heavy horn white frame going through the brush. And I said, Brain, Brain, shoot, get the camera, get the camera. And uh, he said, where, where are you shooting? I said, I don't know. We're going to let him come back through. Let's see what happens. And uh, I pulled up binoculars, and I'm searching, I'm searching. I said, oh, that's the no-brow 10. He's coming, he's coming. And I said, I'm going to shoot I'm gonna shoot this no-brow 10. I said, he's, you know, number two on my hit list, but, you know, it's, I don't care. And he's big gear, you know, 150-inch frame on him. And uh, I put put the binoculars down. I said, you know, this, this muzzleloader, I said, you know, I'm just going to use it. And uh, I don't want to risk it. Don't want to screw anything up. And grabbed the muzzleloader. And then as I'm grabbing the muzzleloader, he said, Jake, that's, there's flyers buck coming in now, too. Flyers buck. No way. And, yeah. No and, way. Oh, uh, I'm like, no way. No way. And I'm uh, – I've had a couple encounters with this deer in this thicket, but being the bow hunting, just being right, things, like I say, you know, people think you can put out a bait site and it's, oh, they're going to walk right into it, you're going to shoot them, it's not going to be no problem. I've had a couple encounters with this deer, like, come on, people, it's not as easy as you think. And uh, he, he's, I just grabbed that muzzleloader, he's coming in, he, he just, He's quartering to and he hangs up and uh he he got a little bit of pre roll on him and he he was behind this huge oak tree. Like I said, there's a ton of oaks. And uh he said, If you can if you got shot, take a shot and I I, I did not hesitate. I shot him and uh <laughs> you know, muzzle or big white cloud and can't see nothing. Oh yeah. He said he said, I I, I think he I think he was snow piling. I can't tell. But I saw his rack go down. He, he dropped straight down to his chest. And I'm freaking out. I call my buddy, best friend, Adam. Hey, I just shot the fire back. He said, no way, no way. I said, yes, I promise. I said, that doe, I, I, you know, I had a feeling that doe was hot with that random buck showing up. I said, it was all broke up. But I said, you know, the no-brow 10 and him, you know, they're both in here. And this doe was just all on edge. And they were... Going all, you know, like I said, I saw saw the flyer buck. I was pretty sure it was him because how bright his horns were and how heavy, cutting up through the brush and uh, into that thicket. And uh, you know, I, I was like, I, I was all rattled, excited. And he, you know, he was like, "Oh, well, you might muzzleloader. It's not like it was quiet. You might as well get out. You might as well get out there and." You, Go find him, you know, and I get out and I grab, throw the binoculars up as soon as I get, you know, I'm 45 yards away from where the camera is. And then he was still about 10, 10, 15 yards behind the bait site where they, they kind of, it's not a staging area, but it's just this open little pocket in between the thickets and they always choose which direction they're going right in this little little opening. And uh, I got off to the side around that huge oak tree, and I saw, saw him. I, I just freaked out, you know. Um, it's been a couple of years since I shot one 
in November, normally, you know, I, I do a lot of food plots and stuff, and normally I'm, I, I want to say I'm planting for early season, but uh, I've only ever taken shots on bucks twice in October. Uh, you know, I'd... Oh, really? Yeah, I, and I just, no luck. I don't, I'm trying, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to make these properties thicker and have better trail systems, but... I mean, I'm, I'm the same way, to be honest with you. I've killed all my wall monitors. I think one was Halloween Eve, the rest were after, so I hear you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, the way the train lays, it's not like southern Ohio where it's huge, like, huge hills, but, you know, we got some pretty nice train and stuff, but I think, like, my properties, they just better for late season bedding and stuff. Like, this property, like I say, it just gets better as the season goes on. Um, Perfect. And then my, my piece of property, you know, we got farm next to me. He's got a bunch of... Uh, bunch of pines and stuff like that right next door and then the way my zone lays it's more or less like uh uh main ridge that they can bed either on the east or west side of the hillside so they're able to get sun pretty much all day um so i think it just my property is just set up for better bedding late season and then if you feed them they they will come essentially is the motto and yeah. in my food plotting ways. But, but uh, before we get to all that though, okay, sorry. No, no, you're good, you're good. Cause <laughs> I, I do want to cover that. That's the most important part of the story. But so you're you're walking up. Did you did he drop? Where did he go? Did he dropped? Oh, oh, you dropped, dropped him. He dropped. He oh, dropped perfect. right in his tracks. Perfect. Um, oh man. They, Oh my gosh! Did you see him from the stand after you dropped him, or not? Or no? No, because he was quartering to me, so his head was behind the big oak tree, and then where my cameraman was, oh my he basically could see just the rear end of the deer. But he said, you know, he wasn't. He, you know, I know cameraman supposed to be like, oh, I can't get, he can't get the shot. Man, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not on TV. <laughs> you know, I, dude, I don't. I hear care. You. I, yeah, I'd like to have a kill shot, but yeah, he. He did it right. He said, dude, if you can shoot the deer, just get it over with. Yep. And and I did. And uh, when that deer fell, he just fell. I mean, we're talking right behind this huge oak. I mean, it's a huge oak. And awesome. And ne- neither of us could see the deer. And then we got out of the line, got off the side, and could see him laying there. Dropped dead in his tracks at Thompson Center. Oh, that's the third deer I've shot with that Thompson Center. Like I say, I... I've shot most of my deer with bow, um, but the few that I have have been with muzzleloader. Is that a, is that a fifty cal? Yeah, fifty okay. cal, uh, hundred grains of super super hot hot whites or whatever it is. Yeah, what bullet? Two hundred uh, the Thompson Center Encore bullet. Uh, what is it? Two two hundred sixty five grain. Yeah, I believe okay. it is. I see something very uh, similar the, out of my own mind. The shock, the shock wave, the shock wave. Yeah, yep, I got you. But, uh, um, man, they just drop I Just that muzzle repercussion just slams them. They just drop dead in their tracks every time I shot one with it. Wow. And uh, he actually went out to his family farm tonight with that muzzleloader and dropped a doe dead in their tracks. Oh, good. At, uh, 112 yards, so. Well, I mean, you're shooting a pretty darn big bullet, too. I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you, you shot a 
you shot a big deer, so so you, oh, you yeah. walked up on him. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Well, to be honest, this is the first time I ever got to share, like, the emotion with someone. Oh, okay. And, like, like when I'm hunting, um, you know, because I'm to that point where I'm hunting such a specific deer that normally it's not, like, a surprise deer where, you know, when you're younger, you shoot one, you freak out, you'd have no idea really what deer it was or what it looked like. You know, it probably and, just depends on your the amount of intel you have and how serious you are about watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you don't ever go out and look, you always yeah. be surprised, but you're out there looking all the time and yeah, I'm, you I'm kind of know what was there, you know? Yeah, I'm always scouting, and it's just a matter of if I lay eyes and I know it's one of my shooters, I just go into this. I'll, I'll be this is a little explicit, but I go into kill mode. <laughs> I just I, I just go on to auto drive, where I just focus on the details, to where I don't screw myself with movement, getting in position, getting things. No, I, I just I just hone in, and uh, You're normally by yourself, I I assume. Yeah, and yeah. this was the first first time that I went through all of that, but then actually got to walk up with someone That's as pretty cool. it happened. And, dude, I came unglued. You know, um, you know, it's, like you say, it's just one of the years that I was hunting, hunting the rut, um, which I really hate to say because being a, being a, the type of deer hunter I am, I'm a, more of an early season, late season type hunter where they're on their patterns and things like that. And, um, you know, essentially I think this deer though, he relocated, he, he found all the cover, he found the food, he still had does that were coming in now. He, but I don't think that deer was leaving. I, I really, I really doubt he was going to leave. And, you know, he was getting back onto that feedback, you know, he, right. He'd been running. I mean, still had a giant body. I, I can share you share the pictures and all the trail camera pictures uh, with you, so you can post or whatever. Oh well, yeah. I mean, he had a giant body. Um, big five year old deer. What are you dressed out at? Do you know? I don't know. I've never weighed him. To be <laughs> honest, I just, I just know you know going off uh, other deer I've shot and stuff. He's just had a giant, big body. I mean, yeah, he was still a little bit swollen up from the rut that he just had he just had that big structure huge body on him to begin with that's awesome he you know i just i I really think he was gonna stay but the pressure was building that there's a chance he still might leave because i didn't start getting pictures of that deer until november 10th that uh deer i called the asian the no brow 10 he showed up October 24th, but that deer I had a little bit of previous history with last year. Um, he actually lived where I shot this deer, and then um, because I was hunting another farm so hard, um, I just I didn't really do much to help keep him in the area. To be honest, last year, okay, I, I need I need to get better at that. But he relocated across the road. And I was still getting random pictures of the deer um, throughout the you know spring and summer and stuff like that. So I I had a good idea 
Now this <laughs> this flyer buck. You is this your first year seeing him? Yes, this first. So year on November tenth, he showed up. You said right? <coughs> yeah. And, and explain to everybody what what his rack looks like. Um, so you, you don't have a weight on him, but to me, it looks like a two hundred plus pound buck. Yeah, um, yeah, he's 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 over two hundred, and um, you know he's got a pretty white, real massive rack, and then uh, he's about eighteen inches wide. 24-inch long main beams. Those are he's, great he's, beams, man. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a hundred. I'm guessing personally, I was guessing right about 149. But I, uh, my buddy Adam, and uh, a couple of my other buddies over in Columbus, that they're all guessing 153 to 155. I'm still guessing 151 to 153. So he's a 150-inch relative. Frame deer, um, beautiful man. And that on his left side is G two. He's got like a three and a half inch flyer, and then like uh, three quarters of an inch flyer off of it. Um, and he's real heavy, real nice deer. I mean, he's a beautiful buck. Uh, well, I'm looking at him right now, man. I just want to tell you, congratulations! Oh, he killed nice. a killed a great deer and. Thank you, thank and, you. It's, uh, that's like well, well deserved, man. You put in your time and you're serious about it. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I know I showed you there was there was a buck actually on the same farm across the street. Um, we're talking 165 inch deer, um, maybe bigger that I had on camera, and you'd mentioned it in previous podcasts. Uh, you asked me why I wanted to shoot that deer, and it's because he showed up. Only for a little bit. Yeah, he's a stranger, right? Yeah, he's a stranger. November gift. And that's why I run these cell cams. Once they show up, I call off work if I can. Um, you know, I work out of town for the company. So if I'm scheduled out of town, I can't do that. But if I'm in the office, I'll, I'll go in at 2 in the morning so I can get in for an evening hunt or, you know, whatever it might be. But, uh, but that's that picture right there. Yeah, that deer showed up, and I hunted him a couple times all day sits, and uh, ended up finding a picture. A buddy of mine sent me a picture of that deer on a Akron, Ohio butcher pages uh, Facebook page. Oh no! Yeah, and uh, are you serious? Yeah, and so so you know that was that was my number one hit list deer, and I had a real good chance at him. He, he was coming in. Uh, he came in. November 7th at like 6.15, so we're talking within a half an hour of dark at that, you know, that point in November, and, uh, I, you know, I had my opportunity with that deer, but, you know, that guy, uh, you know, whether he got lucky or put his time in, yeah, had that had that deer regularly, you know, he he took the deer, and uh, so, I had to, so, so I had to move on to the next deer. And the next deer I moved on to was that Asian deer, which was that uh, mainframe ten with no brows, because he's he, you know, I I've had history with him, and he lived on the farm before, and then this year, mid October he came back and stayed pretty much for good, and then November tenth, that flyer buck came, and once I saw that flyer buck, I just. That, there's flyers off that G2. Yeah, I, just, I, 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 I wanted it. You know? Yeah, he's and, sweet, uh, man. Yeah, and, you know, I 
thank, thank the good Lord above. Uh, I got lucky, and, you know, I did put a little bit of time in, but I did get lucky by all means, and uh, my plan came together. Well, well for, all the, for all the shit talking you did about Michigan, I'm surprised the Lord blessed you with that big of a deer, man. Hey, what are you talking about? Come on, man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was, uh, it was funny because our, our communication went from shit-talking football to, hey, I missed this deer, and this, it was at my stand while I was watching football, and then the next day, you're like, oh, yeah, flyer's down. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, literally, yeah. it's like a three- or four-day communication. Window. Boom, 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 done. Yeah. That was yeah, awesome, I, man. Yeah, I mean... It's been great. Um, like you say, I just I, – I really think that deer was relocating um, yeah. to to the thickness, to the thicket. Um, this property has so many acorns that there's there's still acorns on the ground. Okay, it's, so it's, un, it's so unbelievable. Do you think that is you – know, what I want to get into next wrapping this up is why you think you killed this buck. So I, what, I, I, what habitat and hunting strategy – do you um, think played into it that somebody else can learn from and either implement it this year or next year in their hunting plans? Yeah. Um, so this property is um, this property and the neighboring property had been logged previously, um, and there's a lot of thick pockets on it. And then uh, my piece, they did do a select harvest and left a lot of these oaks, and there is a, this oak ridge is just. Unbelievable. One of the best oak, oak ridges you're ever going to come across because there's still there's still acorns out there. And then, you know, I've been, uh, obviously, I've been putting supplemental feed and the mineral out there for them, too. And, uh, you know, there's a crab orchard thicket. Um, it be about 75 yards across the property line up in that thicket. So, you know, there's a wide variety of food. There are some ag fields. But really, I there's no green food sources that are offering that much that's really going to draw them. You know what I mean? Nothing like these acorns or if I keep the supplemental feed out and, you know, whatever remnants of the crab apples are left. Um, plus all the woody browse. I mean, man, this property's thick. It's got so much woody browse. These deer can bed and eat all day long. Yes. And, uh... That with, you know, that old logging road right on the property line just has has that enough of an opening right on that um, edge going from the thicket to the oaks that they just use as a natural travel corridor. And I'm able to get, you know, I got back right on a pinch point where it really gets everything real nice and tight. You know, it's from the thicket back to the ridge line, it's like 60 yards. So I'm only, you know, 15, 20 yards up off that back ridge line where they can potentially get behind me, but I also used hinge cutting to prevent deer from getting behind me, and I've used hinge cutting uh, previously on the property to keep it thick for deer bedding and stuff. And uh, that's that buck showed up, and I really think that he was going to stick around. and. Um, you know, post-rut, he was just putting a seed bag on. That's why he showed up Saturday um, Yeah. so early. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a Saturday. It was a little bit cooler down here in Ohio. And then last night, 
we had this cold front. It yep. was ra- it was rain and it turned to sleet and then it was starting. It was snowing when I shot him. Um, so you know, it just he was putting his feed bag on for yeah. post post rutting, and you know, I was also getting so many does coming into that area naturally. Anyways, that he was also while he was recouping and putting the, putting back on the putting carbs in his system more or less he he was sent checking them does while he was at it and, uh, so are yeah. you are you post rut or or getting close to it or where are it's, you at it's, 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 it's right on the edge I, I think um the bucks are still checking them last few does okay. um that might have got missed or might be coming in late um but for the most part it seems like uh from camera activity like I say, I run all, pretty much all cell cams. I got seven different cell cams now. Nice. Um, they're they're pretty much they're pretty much back on their, uh, you know, when the peak of the rut and stuff pops up, these cameras go dead. People people wonder why they're not getting any pictures. We got moving the scrapes or you know funnels where they're going to be. Yeah, you have to adjust them. For sure. Yep. Yeah, and uh, they they just. They're getting back on their normal feeding patterns. You know, my food plots, um, even though I knew I wasn't really going to be hunting any of my properties I have food plots on currently, you know, my food plots are, they're getting hammered right now. Okay, so it's, yeah, it's kind of post rut then, so it's, it's getting yeah. there. Yeah, um, and, um, and like this 106 acres, I mean, it's, that one side I shot this deer on, it's, you know, there's no real good, there's no real good palatable food sources other than, you know, just the acorns and woody browse. And I'm planning on putting an acre to a two acre food plot in on this, that ridge. And then, uh, on the other side of the road, the big side, that big side, I mean, it butts up against like 500 acres of solid timber. And (coughs) every year I've got two to three, four big mature shooters come in. Um, at a couple of my various sets, and I'm putting into as big as I can get a food plot, really, um, depending on the work. Yeah. Uh, there's actually pretty fortunate there. I've got a right away transmission right away um, on that side of the road, and I'm when that dozer comes through to, to clear out that transmission right away they're putting in they're replacing all the poles and all the lines um i've already talked to the uh got the right away agent and uh he's gonna he bought me a little bit of time i don't know how much time that dozer operator is going to give me but um or be able to give me but he's gonna track well it's only like 150 yards off off that main right away and he's gonna do a lot of clearing for that food plot on that side of the road. And I am I am so excited because <laughs> this, this farm, I mean, it's just thick. It's got some of the best oaks in the county, it seems like. And, man, if I put two, three acres of great – I really like this deadly dozen um, food plot next to the – from real world? Here. Yeah. <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you what, I know you guys um, – work with killer food plots and i'm gonna be using their border patrol big time this year <laughs> yeah they're, i mean i talked to don before um don that, higgins that, yeah he owns that company or half of it with kevin 
Yeah. I've talked to them I about think. packaging in the past, and I mean that guy knows his stuff. There's no doubt. Man, in that. I you know I I've, I say I'm I'm gonna be using some of uh, that Border Patrol from Killer. I'm yeah, not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not good stuff too. That's for sure. Yeah, he's, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sponsor of the podcast, so I've got to support yeah. that. You know. Yeah, I, I support it, and um, you know, I'm not trying to take oh, away from your your primary sponsor. Oh, you're good, man. You're good. That, that, One thing I have to talk really, about on the podcast. I don't. I mean, yeah, we we're support our sponsors no matter what, but I'm not going to keep you from saying what you like to use and you know I, nothing. Uh, no. Yeah, I, works, so. yeah, I planted uh Deer I killed last year was on an Antler King slash uh, Frigid Forge plot. Um, yeah. I plant I plant a lot of Frigid Forge, a lot of different varieties of Antler King. This real world deadly dozen is I I hate to make claims like this, but <laughs> it's 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 the best blend I've ever put out. There you go. Um, and you know it's doing wonders. A uh, few places I planned it, plus uh, that client that shot that 190 and that 138, and now he's got that 175. I mean, they, they are just killing that pl- that plot. Awesome. And, uh, you know, so I'm hoping on that, this farm that I killed this year, I'm going to put in as much of that deadly dozen as I can, uh, depending on, you know, I got some things I got to get done first, but. I'm, I'm so excited to see what can happen with this farm, getting some palatable food in for these deer, because it is going to be truly unbelievable, I think, and I cannot wait. Um, no, I mean, it sounds like you're already on the right path, man, and, you know, we're going to we're gonna talk it in the future, obviously, but yeah. I just, I mean, it sounds like, just to summarize real quick, you're doing everything you can on your property in terms of food, more food in terms of bait or food plot, um, cover, hinge cutting to create more cover, and and you're laying the pressure off. I mean, I think the common yeah. the common goal here, uh, for all the game plans that I've done this year is is low pressure and going when the time's right. I mean, you waited till yeah. you had the intelligence from your camera, and you you're like, man, all right, he's there. It's time to go now. You weren't in there yeah. every single day blowing it out, and, like, the food's in there. Yeah. And then the way that it's post-rut now, and you and you notice these deer back on the feed pattern, I mean, that's I think that's an important thing to mention, too. Like, up here in Michigan, I mean, it's cold. And I, I sat tonight in 28 degrees, froze my ass off, and I didn't see a deer. But it's they're on the food again. Um you know, I passed like 16 deer and a cut cornfield on the way home. I mean, they're, you know, so yeah. like for people going out this weekend, I mean, it's kind of like keep that food in mind because yeah. the rust winds yeah. down. And, uh, you know, even though you've done everything on your property to have it all, it may be yeah. a good option to just pay attention to, to where your food's at with the cold weather. I mean, yeah. kill them on yeah. the cold front too. We've talked about cold yeah. fronts. I mean, yeah, it's all there. And, yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of, I wanted to say one last thing in regards to my hunting style. Um, yeah, sure, go really, ahead. Really, really, my habitat plans. Um, so everybody grew up. Um, well, maybe not everybody, but I grew up uh, watching Liam Tiffany, um, and I, I bought a few of his books growing up, and I've soaked up as much knowledge as I can from the best of the best. Um, I, I try to surround myself with the most intelligent 
best big buck killers in my area. And then, you know, if I can read content, watch content, I try to just soak it all in. But um, I, I, I read the, I, I read this uh, book by Lee Lukowski when I was, I think I was in high school, maybe early college years. And he said in his article, he said, my neighbors will not outplant me. And that, that, that rang the doorbell for me. And he elaborated on it and said that, sure, his neighbors might have the better, a little bit better bedding or a little bit, they're going to get lucky and kill a couple during the rut. But he said he's going to always, he can manipulate the best, the easiest, cheapest, and best way to manipulate his property is with food. And his neighbors will not be able to touch him by tenfold with how he puts his plots in. Whether that means he's doing it to perfection because, I mean, how, how he's going about it with uh, getting yeah, the soil conditions right. They the fer- are. Yeah, yeah the, the fertilizer, the seeds, the sizes of them to hold the browse pressure. Yep. And the volume. Yeah. I, yep. And and that stuck with me. And a lot of guys, you know, I said earlier, you know, this is going to be my eighth going on the wall. I'm 27 years old. Um, there's plenty of better hunters than me that are, you know, even my age. Um, in the country, I mean, I'm not the best of the best by any means, uh, but I want to say that, you know, the people that end up getting on guys saying, oh, that big buck must have been shot behind the fence or must have been on a thousand-acre ranch. I'm out there grinding. I'm out there busting my ass year after year um, on 60 acres, 100 acres, 40 acres, 20 acres. The Lakowski way, the uh, Candy Candy Land way, the dreary, yeah, the 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 Drury way. That is actually applicable to our hunting style as much. Yes, um, you know some of their farms might be bigger, but Mark Drury has a 120 acre farm in Missouri just bought two years ago. Um, you know, there's just so many people that. Uh, I I think they're quick to judge or want to say that guys that are killing deer repetitively that are big that it must be a thousand acre farm or behind a fence. When and I've been working my butt off all year long and I've been implementing a lot of the same strategies as those professionals. And the reason they're professionals in the sense is because they're doing it the right way and. Um, yeah, I I just I'd like a lot of people to think about that. Um, that you know I I you know I've got a normal mortgage. I you know I got I'm pretty fortunate with the pieces I do hunt, but and I work a lot <laughs> to to, to yeah. do this, and um, I just I, I try to stay humble when it comes. You know I'm very fortunate and very lucky, but um, I just would like a lot of people to just think about the fact that, you know, these big TV shows, 
what they're doing is actually something we can do at a different scale and still be super successful with. Because if you're putting in the food, if you're making your property the best it can be, plus having the best entry and exit, keeping the pressure off these deer, you can still be super successful. Um, you know, Michigan, Michigan's a little different. I mean, you got people <laughs> shooting year and a half olds left and right, but, oh, yeah. um, but you know, Ohio and different places. And there's parts of Michigan you can really well, effectively I, I don't do know. it I, too. Yeah, but. I think you said it very well. I mean, you're you're a humble guy. You're knocking down these bucks. Um, it's it's how bad do you want it, right? Yeah. That, I mean, that, that is it. Um, how how bad do you how bad do you want it? How many days of the year are you out there working on your property, scouting, finding the sign, thinking about your stand, thinking about the wind, thinking about the thermals? I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's it's really how bad do you want it? Some guys don't want it that bad, and they, they want to go out and enjoy themselves and, and see some deer, and that's awesome. And some guys yeah. want it, you know, as much as you do and, and are ate up with it. And uh, and your, yeah, your, mean, your comments about the Drury's and Lakowski's, I mean, those are some of the best deer hunters there are. And, yeah, we're not in the same size farms. I mean, I'm on 15 acres, but the fact that, I mean, the, the Drury's, you listen to those guys, I mean, they're amazing. They are a dictionary when it comes to whitetail hunting. Yeah, so you, you, you got to pay attention to this stuff, and what all yeah, those guys have in common is they're out there or thinking or talking or researching every single day about deer. I mean. Yeah, and and that's, um, you know, you said how bad do you want it. Um, there's there's this uh, DVD. I can text it to you later. I know it won't be part of the episode, but uh, where the introduction – of, like, the Lakowski's last 10 years, um, their summary, their first 10 years being basically professional hunters, is it's the intro is how bad do you want it. Oh, nice. And Lee and Tiffany both sit there and say, like, we had our house going in foreclosure. We didn't do this by ourselves, you know. Our first farm was 300 acres. We had two other investors. Yep. And, you know, it was – a matter of they were using garden tractors, things of that nature to put their first food plots into. Hey man, sounds like some of the guys <laughs> on the Habitat podcast. And and you know what? I I mean, some people might laugh, make fun of me, but when when I think of that and I hear that, like I've been watching that same episode on repeat for like four years now. Really? And it and it tells me if you want it bad enough, you can. You can do it. Like, yep. by myself, I've got 68 acres. Essentially, Lee started out with 100 acres, and look what he's formed. Yep. Um, if you work hard enough, and if you're passionate enough about it, it's going to come. It, I mean, Rome I mean, wasn't built. That's with anything Rome, in life, you know? Yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day. And, yep. You know, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never be lucky enough to own 1,000 acres and be able to manage properties and be a – uh, full-blown farmer plus, you know, full-time professional TV hunter or nothing. But but at the same point in time, um, I really think that I can work hard enough that I can darn near be on 
a similar level in uh, success with, you know, maturity of deer being taken year after year. Because um, you, you can't you can't gauge, you know, like people think there's a booner behind every tree in Iowa because we and Tiffany and Drury's live out there. Well, hey, guys, Ohio has probably 20, 200-inch deer this year. Um, yeah. And and I've I've been hunting all all season. Um, I've been hunting like this really since I was in high school, but effectively going about it for the last six seven years hardcore, and I've yet to shoot a booner. Um, yeah, it, it's it, they're. I've been going at a lot longer than that, buddy, and haven't even seen one. So yeah, exactly. So I hear you. No, I just I think it's that's a good. That's a good place to uh, to wrap this up. I think yeah, you're, yeah, let's, uh, you're passionate. I think you're ambitious, and you have goals that you set. And uh, you. I look thank forward. You. Yeah, no, of course. And I look forward and to seeing the uh, you know the the bucks to drop in the future. So yeah, yeah send me that absolutely. DVD. I'd be curious to watch that DVD. And uh, yeah, I will. I will. And uh, one one last thing. Yeah, sure. Um, before we wrap it up, go Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah. I Get out of here. I'm deleting. I'm editing that out. <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you are. So. Uh, Jay, no, uh, I appreciate you coming on, brother. Great deer again, everybody. I'm going to post the you. picture up on Facebook. Um, it'll be on the website. I'm going to launch this tonight. Um, so you guys will have it uh, the day after it happens. Game plan episode. All right. Another game plan episode in the books, everybody. Thanks again for listening. And thanks to Jake for coming on the podcast, buddy. It's been a long time. I wanted to get you on here. Congrats to get on that beautiful deer. Can't wait to post the pictures up uh, tonight so all the listeners can see them tomorrow. I'd like to thank the listeners again for coming on and listening once again. We love you guys. Keep coming back. You're the reason we do this. I love the feedback. It keeps me going. So thanks again. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, KillerFoodPlots.com, PackerMax.com, and NationsCreations.net. Guys, those are our three sponsors, Killer Food Plots High Quality Seed, the Packer Max line of cultipackers, and the Habitat Hook from Nations Creations. Do me a favor, check them out, go on their websites, uh, let them know the Habitat Podcast sent you, and uh, you know, pick up a Christmas gift for you or a friend. Big news coming, we are launching a blog series on the website. The YouTube is up and going. There are three or four weekly updates on there of how my season's been going, how Brian's season's been going, and uh, we're going to keep rolling that out hard. We have Lindsey Thomas Jr. from the QDMA coming on next week. be a great guest to talk about, see what they're up to over at QDMA, one of the best uh, associations and resources that, that fights for our deer hunting, in my opinion. Um, and lastly, you can find us at HabitatPodcast.com. Please go on there and subscribe with your email address. You can get the latest and greatest offers and information from Brian and I. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, I found out. Uh, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you should be able to get us, guys. And I just really want you to to leave a good review if you don't mind. Uh, I sent out eight more decals today to people who left great reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. So thanks again, guys. 
decals are coming. Just leave a great review and, uh, you know, keep supporting us. Tell all your friends and we'll, we'll shoot your decal. So thank you very much. I know I say thank you a lot, but I really do mean it. I'm very appreciative. And, uh, you know, this is very, very fun for, for me to do and Brian and I to do. And the best part is we're learning to become better habitat managers along the way. So stay tuned, guys. We'll see you back with uh, Lindsey Thomas Jr. QGMA next week. Thanks again.